This is Jezology. It's a real science, honestly. Not just a podcast of me talking about me. Or, or maybe it is. It's Jezology. Well, hello there and welcome to the Jezology podcast. My name is Jeremy Johnson and I am the host of this shambles of an audio experience. Nevertheless, we've made it to series two, who'd have thunked it? Thank you so much for your support in the podcast and tuning in once more to hear more nonsense from my personal musical journey. This series is based upon a number of Instagram lives that I did in late 2020 and early 2021 during the great coronavirus lockdowns and features a number of incredible musicians and singer-songwriters that I have met over the years. And I invited them to come on my Instagram live and we'd have a chat and play some tunes and talk about songwriting and all that good stuff. This is episode one and features my good friend and Dutch singer-songwriter Marsha Maria, who I met when I first started performing my music in Holland in 2015, and she was an incredibly important part of the start of my journey and remains a great friend and a great musical ally to this day. So without further ado, over to our chat. Um, how is everything? You're in uh, um, is he St. Andrews. St. Andrews. I was thinking St. John's because there's a band called um, there's a band called um, oh, I can't remember the band's name. Anyway, I was a fan of them years ago, and they were from St. John's, Newfoundland. Well, so there is uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, and there's St. John, New Brunswick, which is an hour away from where we are. Ah. And what actually happens every so often is that people book a flight to St. John, New Brunswick, thinking they will land in Newfoundland. I see. But Newfoundland is very far away from here. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So I always think of like, I mean, obviously, Eastern Canada is enormous, but um, I always think of where you are as basically being there. So obviously, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> no, you're, there's more. Are you in, are you in, you're, not in New, you're not in Newfoundland then, you're in New Brunswick. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. So I always... They call it No Funswick. No fun... <laughs> It's so well, mean. I don't believe that. I'm sure you've upped the fun level since you've, uh, since you've gone there. Um, Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I always, because I knew of this band from St. John's, I always thought of Newfoundland as having this great music scene. And probably it was just a fluke that there was this... I don't know. Band. I think... No, I think you may be right. Um, there is a music scene on the east coast of Canada as a whole. Um, you have a lot of um, people here with like a Celtic background, so those are the influences that you would hear. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's interesting how that works. Even though these people have been born here uh, for generations, really, uh, but that that those genes are still in it. So, yeah, you hear that a lot. Interesting. That, that makes a lot of sense, a lot of kind of folky, folky genes. I also heard a, um, an interesting theory about Northern European countries and Scandinavian countries as well, and the reason why there's such a proliferation of great musicians from um, cold, dark places is because it gives the coldness and the darkness gives people a reason to be indoors messing around with guitars yeah, and like for sure. production equipment and all that sort of stuff. So Northern European musicians 
I don't know why I'm specifically Northern European musicians, but musicians at higher latitudes probably are slightly more plentiful, which would make sense somewhere like Newfoundland, I would guess. So, yeah, that's the theory. That's yeah. what I'm sticking with. No, no, it makes sense. I uh, I agree with you. The music is darker. Well, I guess Celtic music can be happy in a way, but if you would compare it to you know uh, Southern Europe. It's a complete different genre of less party. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even beyond, I mean, it's an interesting, it'd be interesting to do a case study as to how environment actually affects musical taste. But um, uh, I think it's more the proliferation of the amount of people who are involved in the technical arts, I guess. Because, you know, to learn the piano or learn a guitar or learn anything musical to a high standard, you need a lot of indoor time, usually. Right. So if you if you live somewhere like yeah. Australia, you know, you're probably going to end up spending your youth out on the beach surfing and running around the place rather than stuck indoors playing instruments. So that to me. Yeah. Makes a and lot that's, of sense. that's where we are now, too. We uh, so usually we have snow for six months. This year it will be four months. We just had our first giant amount of snow. Um, so I will be indoors from now on until mid-April. <laughs> Producing amazing art, I would hope. Hopefully, that's the goal for this year. Fantastic. Right. Well, maybe we can talk a bit more about that, actually. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it. since the last time we spoke, things have moved on slightly. I mean, it's amazing. It's been nearly two months since we spoke. It seems two. like yesterday. I thought it was a month. No, because I've done, since you, I mean, you were number two, and I've now done about eight of these so i think it's at least six weeks maybe seven weeks since i last spoke that's to you that's crazy i know right but absolutely time what <laughs> i really thought it was uh like the first or second week of december oh well no i think it was earlier i mean you know oh, time just starts to fly i think that's the thing right but th this is one thing that i'm really glad that i'm doing this project because actually every every week i'm like Cripes, is it that time of the week again when I have to, you know, sit down and talk to somebody? But not have to, it sounds like it's an obligation. It's a, it's a great pleasure for me. I'm sorry that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so um, let's, um, let's talk about uh, some music, shall we? <laughs> let's do it. I promised you I was going to plan something for this, but I didn't. Um, so um, as with last time, uh, I've asked you to to come up with two songs. Are you going to play similar songs to what you played last time, or are you playing absolutely like brand new ones, or what's your plan? Well, it's going to be one uh, rendition of a cover that you play as well. What? And uh, is that in honor of me, or just a flute? Well, no, it's actually it's one of those songs that. I don't. I was thinking about it yesterday. I thought, when's the first time I heard that song? You know, you have these songs that just sort of been around forever, yes, and you yeah. just don't really remember when it became clear to you that it was around. And it's yeah. Wayfaring Stranger, so that's oh, one of the songs. Okay, great, yeah. And um, yeah, so I'll do that one. And one song that I wrote. Um, for a new project that I started with Mariah de Vries. Um, the legendary. Where, the legendary. The legendary Mariah de Vries. Yeah. <laughs> she said Happy New Year, by the way. She did. Happy we new just year, completely Mariah. ignored her, which was nice of us. Yeah. Happy Does New Year. Did she leave Mariah. now? I think she's gone. She's so offended. <laughs> she's like, well, if you're not going to talk to me, then. <laughs> anyway, so we started because of your live stream, really, because last time I felt like, oh, shoot, I got to come up with something that's new. Yeah. 
So I wrote that one song that actually stuck. I wasn't sure at the time, but it did. So it's good. And then I thought, well, this is good. I got to find a way to force myself to do this. So I can't ask you to be on your podcast every week or in your live stream. So I mean, you could, but uh, I would, I would say no. I mean, I'd love it. We can just have <laughs> harsh. <laughs> Too much of a good thing though. Too wow. much of a good thing, right? This is the... <laughs> anyway, so we decided to uh, do our own live stream that happened to be during what? one you of your you're other gonna, live streams. Going to compete with me? <laughs> compete with my uh, my global audience? How dare you? Yes, right. that's what we're doing. Okay. So we tried. To, we had one, and then Christmas happened, and things happened. So the next one is going to be on Thursday, if I'm correct. Good. This Thursday this Thursday. Wednesday. I have it written down somewhere, but I'm all set for please it. Please don't do it on Thursday at seven o'clock because that's when I'm streaming again. And I, you know, I, I told you last time, you need to tell me when these are so I can actually watch. <laughs> I know. And we're going to record this one too because we feel to do that because technology is not our uh, strongest. Uh, point or it's okay but it's a learning um, learning process it is absolutely let's talk about um wayfaring stranger because i think that's a really interesting topic because for me and it's i mean did you you presumably knew about wayfaring stranger before i played it i would imagine because it is it's it's an old for those of you those of you guys who are watching who don't know about wayfaring stranger it's an old americana uh tune and i actually i heard it through um, a, a guy called Jamie Woon, who's a singer-songwriter who I watched um, play a gig in London years ago and then became a little bit kind of like well-known in the UK. And he has this fantastic looped version of Wayfaring Stranger and I thought it was magical. And then I, I just assumed it was his song. And then I heard Ed Sheeran did a version of it. And then I Googled it and I found out that... Um, uh, uh, not Ella Fitzgerald. Anyway, Wayfaring Strange has been covered by everybody, basically everyone. Yes. Yeah. There's hundreds of versions of it. And it, it turns out yeah. that nobody really knows the origin of the song. It's just kind of an American yeah, song. Yeah, I know. Right? So there's no copyright on it. It's one of the reasons why people have, have used it. But I think those tunes are very interesting from that perspective as a singer-songwriter to cover songs that have no copyright and sort of have this kind of like ethereal nature to them. But somebody has written this song yeah. years ago. But anyway, so yeah. um, so you're going to play a version of it. And what was your kind of relationship with this song? Um, see, I just, I don't know when this song when i really noticed the song because it's been there for so long maybe it was the eva cassidy version that that's who i was trying to think of eva cassidy yeah the Uh, eva cassidy version yeah which is lovely actually yes she's amazing yeah did unfortunately yeah um yeah i used to listen to her music a lot and um uh, yeah, this song came up, and I don't know. I didn't start to cover it right away. And my friends, Mirta and Gary, they have a version of it. And then I came up with a version of it a long time ago, and then I decided to to give that a new life today. Amazing. Today. Amazing. But it's funny how this song has changed. Even the lyrics change a lot. Johnny Cash does a version of it too, for example, and his uh, lyrics are completely different they're more on the religious side if I'm well i is that that's interesting just on the lyrics thing but because i changed the lyrics for my version because i'm 
I'm very non-religious and I found that the the concept for me didn't it didn't align with the way I feel about the song so I actually switched it to a bit more of a philosophical kind of still on a spiritual edge but like a lot less talking about sort of you know um going home to see my father as in god i yeah. i turned it into like actually talking about my parents and their influence on me and and uh, the sort of philosophy of traveling and and widening your horizons and not being afraid of the next phase whatever that may be so i had to switch it a little bit so my my lyrics are different as well um well i stuck with those lyrics because i didn't want to touch it even though i'm not religious totally makes sense i yeah. still went with it yeah um, and I don't know, I hope I didn't steal it from someone, this version. I don't know. It's just, this is just what happened, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, also in the concept of stealing is, I think, a, it's an interesting sort of area for singer-songwriting because we all get inspired by different things. I had a chat with um, a guy a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago on this um, stream where we were talking about exactly that, inspiration and, um, you know, how what are the rules around inspiration in songwriting? And, and uh, yeah, I think everyone has a different opinion, but I would say that I wouldn't even worry. Even if you took it directly from someone, it's, it's probably come from somewhere, right? I mean, everything that you do is probably inspired from some great musician yeah. before you in some way. Well, actually, the funny thing is uh, the, the song that I wrote and, well, half finished today, but I am going to perform it, um, is a song that so we set ourselves assignments and um, the assignment for this week is write a Christmas song without the word Christmas in it. Very cool. From the point of view that you're looking inside of someone's house and uh, so I started writing this song I'll talk a little bit more about that later and I thought oh this is great I'm actually happy with the melody but Melody sounds vaguely familiar. So I asked Mariah, can you send me your new song? Because I feel like maybe I stole it from you. And it wasn't hers. And I was like, oh, well, that's great then. Finish the song. And then I happened to go through my uh, one of my favorite playlists. I just dump songs in it and then listen to them a bunch of times and see if they uh, stay in the favorites list or not. And I listened to a song of Gitta the Ridder. I'm assuming she's Dutch. <laughs> and sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> there was the melody. I was like, uh, oh, no. And I can't knowingly yeah. keep going with this song. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, I uh, had to start from scratch. <laughs> I, I have a far more embarrassing version of that, which is that my song, Predictable, I think we've talked about this before, on my last album, um, Predictable, is basically a rip-off of Ed Sheeran's song, Don't. And I didn't realise this. I just thought, you know, I want to write a funky tune. And I started playing with this chord progression. And me melodically, it's not that similar, but structurally it is. Chord progression is exactly the yeah. same. And I was, I was so pleased with the song. And then sort of somewhere halfway through the production process, I was sat in the studio and I realized what I'd ripped it off. And it was like a devastating moment, but we were too far into it to like oh. back out of the song. But in a way, that's good because it taught me a lesson about the fact that it's okay, right? It's okay to accept your... Um, I mean, if I'd like ripped off... It's okay until that, you get sued. Well, that's the thing. But then <laughs> we, I've also had this conversation with people and I say that if, you, if you're managing to get sued by someone, you've probably done something right anyway. You know, if you've got that much success that somebody wants to sue you, you know what? Yeah, that's true. I'm okay giving Ed Sheeran a couple of quid if I've made, you know, 10 million <laughs> quid point. ripping off his songs. <laughs> so. 
And it's so difficult to, uh, I'm assuming that everything that we're doing has already been done in some way. And it's, uh, since a couple months ago, we started uh, here in our household, started listening to music starting in 1945, and we're at 1957 now. So you can really see how music is developing. And, and that's a cool right thing. now we're in a phase where we started with everything jazz and we watched the Ken Burns jazz documentary, which is amazing. It's like 10 hours of just lots of jazz. Um, <laughs> And now you're in this, we're in this switch where jazz is still around, but it has to change. It has to become something else because it's getting less and less popular. So they have to reinvent sounds and make some styles. And out of nowhere, there's Elvis, for example. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, where did that come yeah. from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in those days, you could still completely invent something uh, that's totally new. Yeah. And I don't know, the, right now we've gone through all these genres and all the technology is there and what is there left to do? You know, is there, is, does a melody exist that hasn't been heard yet? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think that's, it's interesting because I think that, that philosophy is probably what most, in any time in musical history, I guess, is what most people were thinking, right? Is you know, where can you go? Even even in Elvis's day, they were probably thinking, yeah, where that's can also you go? True. And it just takes somebody yeah. to think about something slightly differently. And I agree with you, there's probably less traditional kind of 12-note, you know, monophonic ground that you can cover that hasn't been covered before. But maybe the future is is things like, you know, 8D, um, 8D production on songs. You know, suddenly you're immersed in a sort of virtual world of music rather than sort of having yeah. a the two speaker process or I don't know, like maybe that's, maybe that it just takes somebody to go, well, maybe this will work and try it. And if it sort of resonates, then it does. But, but I always feel as well that it's an interesting one. When you look back at the back catalog, like you said, you were, you were going through the late fifties and jazz and then suddenly Elvis is there. Yeah. With movies as well. Yeah. And it might seem like Elvis came out of nowhere, but if you think about some of the movements more recently, like in the UK, we've seen this huge explosion of grime music and it's, you know, the last five or so years, it's become really popular. But actually, grime has been there for a, lo a long time in different forms. It was just unpopular. So it, wasn't, it mm -hmm. wasn't in the charts. So it's probably there for 10 years prior to the first big grime hit. Um, and it, that came out of other types of, you know, UK hip hop and UK beat music. Mm -hmm. um, but because you don't see that 10-year period captured in the popular market, you would suddenly think, oh, well, where, you know, someone like the big gram artist like Stormzy came out of nowhere and suddenly he was huge and, you know, grime mm -hmm. was everywhere. But the reality is you're just not seeing the undercurrent that's pushing pushing towards this kind of like spiky moment. So there was probably artists like Elvis all over the place that he was being inspired by, but he was the breakthrough guy, right? So, but anyway. Right, I would yeah. like to hear you play a song, please, Marshall Maria. That's which okay. one would you like? What, which one would you like to sing for us? Well... I could start with Wayfaring Stranger. Well, we have discussed it, we? We, so. Well, we've discussed both, kind of, but I'll start with that. Yeah, because I didn't say anything about uh, the second song yet. And for the second one, I will need the lyrics again, because I actually just changed it, like, 45 minutes uh, ago. I was hey, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> you don't have to admit that you're reading your lyrics. It's fine. Uh, 
Yeah. Put your laptop anyway, on. yeah, I'll grab my guitar, uh, and now is your chance to gossip about me because I won't hear you. Well, I'll I'll take full advantage of this. Say All right, really go for it. One, two, things. three, and go. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I will do is I will say if anybody's watching who would like to check out, can you still hear me properly? Uh, can you do this when you can still uh, thumbs up? All right, perfect. Check out Marsha. She is on uh, SoundCloud and all the social media, so go check down. her out. If you like to, I'd recommend it. She's great. Amazing, amazing. I, I love that version. Yeah, I, uh, it's fun to sing, too. Yeah. I could, and I, do you know what I... If, yeah. I was going to say, I could tell that you were getting a bit sort of like taken away with it. And it's a lovely, it's a lovely tempo, actually, for that song. I think I play it slightly quicker than you. But I love that tempo of that kind of like, just kind of like rolling Americana tempo. Uh, but you were yeah. getting some, some, uh, some love hearts and some all sorts as you were playing it. Uh -huh. so I could see that you were, getting, you were drifting away into this world. 
Well, you know, I found that it's kind of nice that I can take these things out because it's just like me in my living yeah. room. And I think actually that's that's the lovely Less thing. Pressure. Because, yeah, totally. And I mean, it's 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 a weird concept. This whole this whole COVID lockdown thing because I'm sort of forgetting how to interact with people in real life. Like I'm getting quite comfortable talking to a computer, which is a really odd thing because I've you know my experience has very much been go play live and interact with people in the audience. I wonder whether I'm going to lose that skill when I finally go back to it. Who knows? Everyone's going to be really awkward after this. Yeah, totally. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to be super nervous playing to like three people in a pub. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I hope we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. Well, no, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I've, my f- strategy um, is to busk as much as possible that I can do. I mean, it's difficult in winter here because it's genuinely too too cold to play. But my plan, at least when spring rolls around, is to start busking again. I think that will be a nice a nice movement back into gigs. But there is very much a, there's a stark difference, and I'm you know I'm sure you will um, resonate with this. There's a stark difference between busking to people who are sort of like passing traffic and playing an intimate oh my, yeah. intimate acoustic gig with like oh yeah fifteen people with their eyes on you. You know, there's. Busking is never as uh, scary as being on stage can be. Um, I don't know if you know this. You must know this. Mariah and I have quite a background in busking. That's what we did more than anything. So we would go, even for my thesis, um, we traveled around Europe um, without any money to see what it's like to be traveling musician i do and I, I i vaguely remember that you were sort of one of the early inspirations for me for for dreaming of doing that one day i think because i'm sure we discussed it i don't think I, it's yeah, I mean, we must have you reminded me of it but i i sort of yeah i mean that was back in the day when i didn't know you guys so well i think but i don't think we've discussed it much since so it'd be interesting to maybe talk about that a little bit now yeah it's a i have fond memories of busking and just, you know, crazy things happen too. You never know yeah. what you're going to get. Oh, I remember a story you told about you went busking in Paris and it was actually the time. Yeah, that's a, where we went all the time. It was a time that I, we'd just met, I think, and we were starting to play together and you, I didn't know Mariah at this time. And you said, oh, me and my friend Mariah are going to go down to Paris and play. And I was like, fuck, this girl's cool. Like, you know, it's like, you're just going to do... And then you really got to know me. Paris yeah. busk in Paris. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's full-on inspirational. Like, and I, I, saw, I sometimes forget, actually, the way that I saw... Like, I was like, how, how can you just turn up somewhere and play music on the street? That's so brave, you know? It's... Uh, um, we always found that you have to get over yourself a little bit once you start playing, it is an odd thing. It almost, it's almost unnatural to unpack and then you put on your guitar and then out of nowhere you start singing. It's kind of like, you know, that moment when you go to the dance floor and then you have to start moving around out of nowhere. It's a bit, it could be a bit tricky. It's that first job, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the moment you start, the moment you're into it, it's uh, so much easier than being on stage. I find because the people who are watching, who, who stop to watch, they choose to stop and watch. So they find it enjoyable 
I would assume. And <laughs> it's <right>. just a <laughs> it's it's just a different experience. It's less pressure, more more adventure for sure. Oh my, we've had just just insane things happen to us. And like I don't well, one example I don't want to tell it here because I <laughs> may have been in a bit of danger. But there's been a that, moment no, where someone came really by. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a long story too, but it just came down to, uh, well, I'll tell you the end uh, is where we ended up because it was in the wintertime. It was cold. We were having drinks somewhere and it, uh, a, there were two guys there who wanted to have drinks with us and they got the drinks for us and we didn't trust that at all because there was a girl at our table out of nowhere too who was just completely just half asleep and loopy oh, and wow. we ended up uh, basically fleeing that bar taking that girl with us and making sure she was okay. It was crazy. Wow. And it happened during busking because they approached us and there was a, a time where a guy, that was in Leeuwarden, um, actually, this time that was in Paris, but the, this what happened next is someone walked by and just grabbed their money. Oh, you've had a you've had a thief take off. Oh wow! And Maria just turned into this superwoman, and she grabbed his wrist, opened his fingers. In the meantime, this giant group of people formed around us to help us, and it's you know I always feel like when we we're quite vulnerable when it's just the two of us in random cities sure. um, playing music in the streets. And there's always, um, I don't know what the English term is, sociale controle would be the Dutch term. There are always people watching, watching out for yeah. you. People yeah. you don't know who naturally want to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. So if anything happens, people will be there right away. I do feel like there's a, there is a sort of natural defense for street performance from most people, I would say. I mean, I've, I've had some fairly nice experiences. I've never had someone try and steal from me, and I think that's probably a privilege of being a tall guy. Um, mm -hmm. that people probably, if they, even if it crosses their minds, they, they're probably like, well, don't really want to risk that he might be able to catch up. But, um, but I have had somebody get aggressive with me and then I have this I it happened this summer actually and I was I had this I have this box which I collect money in and I have a few CDs and cups and I had it next to where I was standing and this person was getting very aggravated getting annoyed I just basically it's somebody who asked me to stop playing and I said well I, I this is my job but you know I can't really stop playing like, yeah it, it was you know there were people watching and I was like we most people are enjoying what I'm doing so and um and they were complaining I was too loud and I was saying no I'm not, I'm not too loud honestly like this is this is totally normal and, and anyway this person got very aggravated and then and basically like football kicked my box and everything no. the money the merchandise just sprayed oh, no. all everything. and everyone who was watching like started booing and like coming up and like helping me put my stuff back in my box uh. and, so you do get, it's a bit polarizing busking for sure. Like you do get some funny characters. It is, you know, you have people who start talking to you in the middle of a song. It happens all the time. Yeah. You have people yeah, yeah, yeah. who stand right in front of you and your guitar case and start to dance. And yeah. like, I really don't know <laughs> what to do because you're like right in my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you get great responses too from people and little yeah. notes that you get. Um I think it's just appreciation. Yeah. Some of my favorite experiences as a musician have been 
have been basking actually. Um, and it's just something about the raw nature of it, the un- the unknown nature of it, that when something special happens and somebody, you know, comes up. And I, I once had a, a woman come up and she just started chatting to me and saying that I reminded her of her ex-husband. And I was like, oh, that's a nice compliment. You know, you, you know, he used to play guitar. Anyway, so the story goes on and she says, oh, I've, I'm actually about to die. And uh, she'd been given this terminal cancer prognosis and she was just kind of out for a walk. Oh, no. And she said, you know, you've made my day. And she just walked off. And it, I was just floored. I was just like, I yeah. almost couldn't carry on. I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, that's just such an emotional thing to have happened. But it's beyond anything, beyond the big stages I've played or any of the people I've supported. That, to me, is one of the most incredible things that's happened to me, playing music, just to connect yeah. with someone like that. I think uh, what's so special, one of the things that's so special about busking is... It seems to, you know, when you're on stage, there is a distance between the people and you, and you're less approachable. And somehow when you're playing music in the streets, it's easier for people to approach you and talk to you um, and tell you these personal stories. I think maybe that's it, isn't it? And, And I think at the core of most musicians, there's this yearning to connect. And I think actually... Yeah. When you, when you become vulnerable, you allow other people to be vulnerable around you. And I think that's really the core of busking. And, and why, even though I, you know, busking is really seen as a sort of very foundational way to start building into a music career or building a bigger music project, I think people tend to come back to busking because it is such a pure way of sharing your music. Yeah, I'd love to, yeah, no, I'd love to go back to, we, we always had this, uh, one spot where we would play music in Paris. So that started with that, uh, my project thesis, graduation project, whatever, uh, was about um, street musicians with a Romani background and okay. specifically in the city of Groningen and trying to find out how many people are there and who are they and why are they here? What are the circumstances? And then part of that was, okay, well, you've busted a little bit in Holland before, so now you have to go out there and don't bring any money and um, see what it's like. And still, you know, obviously we're more privileged and, you know, it's different. It's not the same experience, but at the same time you get a new realization of, okay, so travel to all these big cities um, I have to find a place to stay and tell these people I don't have money. I have to go out there first and then uh, I will pay you after. So would you please trust me that we're actually going to do that? Sure. But you always have the thought that I have a home to go home to. Yeah. I have a comfortable bed to yeah. go back to. And anyway, that project started with we uh, kicked off in Brussels and then went to Paris, then went to Barcelona, then went to Milan, Berlin, and then I got some sort of flu, and every time I tried to sing, I would start coughing, and then I was just, it was, I think we were three weeks in, and I was like, I just... Was that the whole thing with Mariah? Yeah. Oh, right, so she she would take the lead on those songs then, if she, (laughs) if you were coughing all the time. It was just, I was coughing all the time, and it was just, it was cold, and I thought Berlin would be very... uh, um, just easy yeah. um, for street musicians and it's the opposite first of all it's difficult to find you know you always have to find smaller alleyways so you have better acoustics yeah. and it was just impossible to find that in Berlin 
Anyway, in Paris, we found this little alleyway close to the Notre Dame. And it has all these little bars and cafes. It's around the corner of the Shakespeare um, bookshop. And um, we had to fight for our place there. And it took us a couple of years before we were accepted. Because you have a lot of other street artists or homeless people who have their spots. So the moment we show up there, we're taking away their income. Yeah. So what we would do in some cases is we would give them money first and then start oh, okay. yeah. to play. And then they still wouldn't be happy. And then after a couple of years, they were greeting us. And it really, I think we went back four years in a row, a couple of times a year. And yeah, it took a while before we were accepted, but we were. So after that one crazy situation happened, um, Half a year later, we went back and we actually had all these restaurant owners there asking us, like, what happened then? Are you, were you guys okay? It's crazy how it just turned into this community of street artists and restaurant owners for us. I think there's, yeah. there's something about that. There's something quite tribal in music, which I've found that some of the places, a bit like you were saying, some of the places that you consider to be the, the easiest, the, you think, oh, that would be a, re a really good place, an easy place to busk. And you go there and because it's seen that way and there's a sort of demand for the spot on the street, it can be very unwelcoming to, to new people yeah. coming in. And some of the places where I've just thought, well, this is, you know, this is just a random place and you start busking and as long as there's passing traffic, because nobody ever busks there, suddenly you've yeah. got this, this kind of really nice thing because you're a novelty, right? Um, so it's, that was a bit of an interesting thing for me to sort of realise that, but... In music in general, I found that as a touring musician myself, um, that tribalism can work really against you in the early days and really for you once you start to get into a, into a community and into a sort of tribe in a particular place and your name starts yeah. to get known. Suddenly all these yeah, you opportunities... you have to work for it. You have to work for it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think it's... It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, totally. It's, it's very like that in the UK, more so than Holland, I would say. The UK is very localised scene-wise. Like, I always felt quite accepted in Holland, but maybe that's because I was British. And if I'd been a yeah, Dutch... Yeah, you are singer, a novel so, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I but I, I, I always felt like it was easier to go somewhere and, and people say, oh, you know, hey, you know, come in, play some music, you know, welcome to the scene. But in the UK, if you do that, you're, there's always a little bit of suspicion. You know, it's kind of like, who's this guy? And is he going to take my spot? And is he going to take my audience? And, you know, there's a little bit... I've never tried it in the UK. I've only been to the UK once. But... Um... I find I never really enjoyed busking in Holland as much because, A, it doesn't, people are not as generous. Sure. I find that. Well, you find the touristy places, um, those yeah. work the best. Yeah. So, obviously, Paris, close to Notre Dame. Yeah, that works. Um, the Dutch can be just very direct and harsh. And, um, yeah, I just didn't feel very appreciated playing music there. And in other European, the bigger European cities, people were just more open to us being there. Even the restaurant owners, because we would always, or stores, we would always go in first and ask, is it okay if we play here, even if it's just for an hour, just whatever you prefer. If it's too much, we'll go away. Um, and it was easier to do it anywhere else than Holland. It just never really worked for I think that's a really important part of it, isn't it, to... I think there's, there's some places that I, I'm, I tend to go down to the southwest of the UK in summer and busk down there. 
And uh, if you can get to know the store owners, there's something that's so much more pleasurable about returning to a spot where you already have that personal connection with the store owners somehow and you're not just kind of arriving and sort of like, you know, just kind of doing yeah. your thing. And you never know what's going to come out of it. Like, I, you know, all sorts of little kind of perks of, of doing that come from, from having a personal connection with, with the people. And it just comes from yeah. being polite and being conscientious about it. But Yeah. Um, but that's not always enough. <laughs> no, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. But you got to keep going. I, I do. I would love to go back to Europe at some point if we ever get back to that normalcy somehow. And then go to Paris with Mariah and then just do it again, even though I know, and I'm like, okay, now I'm 34. Is it a normal thing to do that right now? Of course. It's been a while. <laughs> of course. Of course. I think there's, there's never a bad time. A there's never a bad time. Like I was in um, a local town to me in the UK uh, last week in Stratford, and there was two guys, long grey beards, like proper, you know, basically, you know, close to death. <laughs> right? Old guys playing accordions and guitars on the street, just like loving it. And I think that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. it's, it's how you see yourself and, and whether you enjoy being out on the street playing your music and, and I, I kind of see, I'll probably be that that guy as well at some point, you know. No matter yeah, what happens, I think I lost I'll... you for a sec. Oh, oh or maybe I'm back. back. I'm back. Um, hey, well, I think we've uh, we've um, I've very much enjoyed talking about busking, but I'd like to talk about the next song you're going to play for us. All right. So that song, as I mentioned, is uh, uh, written for the project I started with Mariah, where we give each other that assignment of, um, you know, we have to find a start. It's sometimes it's difficult to find a start to write a song. So this time it's like, okay, write a Christmas song. It's not, it doesn't have the word Christmas in it from a certain perspective that you look inside someone's house and what you see is what you write about. And, um, I thought of, there's one movie that I religiously watch, well, several movies in December, and this one is always, um, um, we watch it on Christmas Day. It's it's A Wonderful Life yeah. with James Stewart. Classic, classic and, Christmas film. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> and um, I just, I love the story. I even love the story of how that movie became a thing. It wasn't accepted by many people at first. It was called The Greatest Gift. And the writer, um, what's his name? Van Doren Stern? I don't know his first name. Anyway, he, um, he wrote this story, but no one wanted it. And what he decided to do is he put it on the cart and sent it to um, a lot of people for Christmas. And... To just his friends and family and they loved it so much and one of them happened to have a connection and um it turned into a book and then it turned into a movie amazing there you go so yeah i love that story and i just picked a certain moment from that movie because it has uh you know it's divided into two parts really mm. um i think the first hour leads up or a hour and a half leads up to this one pivotal moment um yeah so i decided to pick that moment amazing right about it i'm looking forward to hearing it you've got the <laughs> lyrics all set up <laughs> i've got the lyrics all set up if only you would see this it looks a bit ridiculous i have a chair with a poof on it and a pillow and a laptop <laughs> 
Hey, however it works. Oh, and that's wow. the nice thing about playing playing music online these days is that actually everything outside of this square doesn't matter. <laughs> true. And then nobody true. nobody can see what's behind the camera. So Yeah. So as a side note, um it's a song, the melody had been on my phone for a while. You know, you have a thousand recordings on your phone. Probably. Sure. And um, I tend to do I videos rather it. than voice notes, but yeah, I have a thousand oh. videos. Yeah, and this one, uh, I just went through everything and I thought this one would work as a maybe Christmas lullaby type of thing. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have a title yet. It's a wonderful song. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to call it the greatest gift and then <laughs> yeah, I don't know. True. Uh, I'll give it a shot. I will uh, take these out. <laughs> Go ahead. One secky. One moment. This guitar is so big, it's leaning against everything. <laughs> Save himself. 
Amazing. Beautiful. So. Beautiful. And I know what I love about that is that having just been through the cacophony of ridiculum that is Christmas uh, musically, is that it's so understated, you know. There's, like, there's actually a few moments where you're like, oh, okay. But actually it's, it's such an understated Christmas song. And I love that. I think that's really cool. And actually, that, there's, that I think there's the a market for that. There's, there's, surely there's a market for understated Christmas, like folky Christmas songs. That's got to be I, um, what I need you to do. Yeah, I think the Staves do it, for example. They have a, well, they have a, it's a very obvious Christmas song, but it works. Yeah. And then there's a song, River by Joni Mitchell, that's officially not a Christmas song, apparently, but it's been played around Christmas because the word Christmas is in it. Oh, uh, right. Well, so what you need um, to do, Marsha, is you need to, and it, I think it would feel very odd, but to, because you kind of have to do it so many months in advance, but I think if you're going to make the most of the Christmas period is to have it kind of fully produced by the beginning of December, which means you probably have yeah. to be, you know, in the studio in summer <laughs> recording your Christmas song. Well, that's what, that's <laughs> when they record all these songs. Yeah. I had a, a boss, um, my employer in uh, Toronto, I worked at Recording Arts Canada, so mm. it's a recording school. And his, uh, basically being a director of the recording school is his side gig. His main gig was writing Christmas jingles. So really? that's what he would do starting in June. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would get all Christmassy then. Just the interesting thing about Christmas songs, and don't get me wrong, like Christmas songs are big, are big in the UK from a pop standpoint. But yeah. there's something a little bit not very classy about Christmas um, from a British music perspective. But I, I recognise this year that it's almost like a sort of standard thing for all American artists and North American artists to do Christmas songs. Or at least that's, my, that's how it feels like it is to me. Whereas it's only really the very big pop artists in the UK who ever do Christmas songs. It's not something that somebody like I would go like, oh, it's, it's the festive period coming up, I have to get out a Christmas song. Um, but do you sort of, would you sort of echo that a little bit in the North American scene or is it, or is it there a bit of a class war as well from a sort of Christmas perspective? Oh no, it's all Christmas here. Everything, Everything's everyone. Christmas. Everyone's doing <laughs> Christmas songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I only listen to all the Bing Crosby's and that type of stuff around Christmas. I yeah. love it. Oh no, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm always, yeah. I'm still listening to it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Jasmus, Jasmus playlists where it's like, you know, yeah. crooners, and smooth jazz Christmas songs. Yeah. And it's all Bing Crosby and Sinatra and, you know, all these guys. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. No, I love that. And uh, I'm still in, there's a game, it's called Whamageddon. And Whamageddon is, uh, you're out of the game as soon as you hear Last Christmas by yeah. Wham. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I haven't heard it. Yeah. So I'm still in the game in January. Oh, amazing. Well, I, I know I heard um, that, that bit of trivia because obviously with, with COVID, everyone's been doing Christmas quizzes, right? Um, or at least that's I a huge, totally huge thing in Europe. Uh, anyway, well, I say Europe in the UK is people doing quizzes every week with their family and friends. And of course, over Christmas, everyone uh-huh. was doing Christmas related quizzes. So I learned that um, White Christmas by Bing is the most successful Christmas song ever. And you wouldn't necessarily think that, would you? Guess what? Hit me. Hit me with some trivia. Irving, Irving Berlin. The writer of the of the song, the soundtrack of the movie, um, well, Holiday in Person, White Christmas. Yeah. Guess where he got the inspiration to write that? Well, Bing Crosby? In St. Andrews. I mean, St. Andrews. <laughs> so the building where I used to work, um, I worked before COVID as uh, our program coordinator yeah. at this artist residency, which is this old estate and that's been owned by just, um, you know, the aristocrats of this country. It's still, yeah. it's just a different world. It's yeah. insane. Anyway, it's a beautiful old house. And that's where Irving Berlin was um, ah. around that time. He had a girlfriend, yeah. but due to religion, they couldn't marry each other. Her parents wouldn't allow it. So they sent her to St. Andrews. And oh, and he, he was... went after her. Oh, okay. Right. And then allegedly he proposed to her in the living room of the place where I used to work. So when I heard that, it's like, this is just perfect. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Well, you know, I kind of always imagined that somewhere like St. Andrews and Newfoundland in general is fairly permafrost all year round. I mean, I guess it's probably no. quite continental. But I imagine we it's, have it's, beautiful summers here, yeah, and no, it's sure. uh, yeah. But it's, no, it's uh, I didn't know that about Canada that you could have beautiful summers. I thought yeah. the same thing, but no, it's um, it's weird. We basically have two seasons. Well, you have four seasons, but you have like uh, two weeks like of fall short and two weeks of, of spring, yeah. and then out of nowhere, it's like thirty degrees every day. Yeah, Celsius. Yeah, and. Out of nowhere, you go to snow yeah. and minus. Well, it's been quite mild, but yeah. we've hit the minus 15 already. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because generally speaking, like on the on the east coast of the US and the and North America, um, for latitude, it gets a lot colder than where we are in the UK and yeah. Holland. And I mean, we're so, I think um, New York, for example, is at the latitude of Lisbon. Right, and you never think of mm-hmm. Lisbon having snow, but New York gets snow all the time. So it's yeah. a sort of strange thing, right? I mean, you're way up past there, right? You're way up into the frosty bits. Well, not, I'm not that that much up. I know, um, but we do get a whole bunch of snow. Actually, we got so much snow. I was shoveling, and that was two days ago, and I'm still in so much pain. <laughs> <laughs> At least it keeps you fit, right? Right. That's the that's the advantage. It, exactly. Yeah, it takes you about two hours to shovel the driveway nuts anyway it's canadian life yeah exactly we've got amazingly five minutes left can you believe it it always flies these things but it's such such lovely time to to chat and chat music um but i wanted to chat to you quickly before you go about um your plans for this year and and i know we spoke briefly about it last time two months ago nearly um but um how have you have you sort of had any more thoughts about 
producing music and what your your musical yes good tell me because of it started with your live stream so thank you for doing this and every time when you have someone over i listen and i sit there with my guitar um and i I decided after it's so much fun and it's inspirational and I'm so happy that you're doing this and that you told me that I could easily just do a bedroom recording. Yeah, Um, totally. So I purchased all the equipment and now I have to figure out how it works. (laughs) (laughs) To a certain extent, I know how it works, but I have to, there's a lot more to it. Anyway, so my goal is to record the songs that I'm writing with Mariah Mm -hmm. or a bunch of them, and then we're going to throw them online and then we'll see what's going to happen with that. I don't know. Well, if you need... But at least there will be home recordings. This is a bit of a shallow um, offer because I'm by no means professional, but I, because I'm, because of COVID, I've been doing a lot of self-production and mm-hmm. um, I've learned a lot over the last few months about taking raw stems and making them sound okay. So if you mm-hmm. do need somebody to do that for you or you know, something you don't want to necessarily delve into too much, then feel free to send me something and I'll do my best to Thank you. Make it sound lovely for you. But it's, again, I'm, I'm by no means a professional producer, but I, I feel like having gone from not really knowing much about it a year ago to where I am today. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's another thing, right? Producing is another thing. To yeah. Get to grips it's with. so much fun though, to figure it out. Oh, no, totally, I turned yeah. myself into, because I lost my job, I turned myself into a videographer. Oh no, yeah. And you're, you're quite techie. So, anyway, so you probably quite enjoy the whole, the whole process. Yeah. I'm techie, but clumsy, hence all the cords and <laughs> throwing my laptop on the ground earlier today. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's so much fun to figure it out, mm. but, um, I did need a few helplines, so yeah. I did call a few friends sure. who are videographers. Um, so I will call you. So no, thank you. Absolutely, <laughs> please. Yeah, please. We can do this without everyone else watching. How about that? And quick before we go, what's your plan for for the new lockdown? Are you working on anything, or well, just so, doing your streams? Yeah, I am. I've actually probably since we last chatted, I have changed my plans because I originally I was working on an album. And I was sort of working my way through different songs and I was going to put them together on an album and get them out into the ether. But I realized that, um, like I'd always sort of, the the modern way to do things is to go track by track, you know, maybe one month every six weeks and just do track by track by track and just get them out because it, it -hmm. plays better with algorithms and all that sort of nonsense. But, and I want, I wanted to sort of rebel against that in a little bit, a little way and say, because I've always done albums, I want to do an album. But I just kind of like realized it's more, logical in this sort of climate where i'm not touring a lot to to take it track by track so i've actually lined up um, a release for the 21st of january a release for the 21st of february i'm in production for the one for, for march and then i'm basically lining up a song every month um to be released on the 21st for 2021 and um and i'm basically not i'm just gonna resign myself to not playing any gigs until may because I don't think yeah. it's going to be possible. So I'm, I'm going to Not be basically like a, a bedroom producer for the next <laughs> two or three months. Well, so. good for you. Nice. Yeah. Excited so, yeah, I mean, it's a really nice process, actually. And I'm, it's been nice to have a bit of structure for once, actually, because I'm always running yeah. around doing stuff and kind of nice to be in one place for a while and just kind of like 
really get into something technical so so that's basically yeah. my my process and my my plans over the next few months so. sounds good well i already offered this but if you need any backing vocals it's gonna happen it's gonna happen the one for march isn't that type of song it's a bit kind of like it's a bit kind of like shallow and surfy and kind of like you know kind of like brushed drums yeah. and, you know it's a bit kind of it's a bit like twee that. Um, but I would love to get you on something at some point. That'd be great. It'll work something out. Sounds good. Fab. Amazing. All right. All right. Well, as always, an absolute pleasure to chat to you. And uh, I hope to see it again very soon. And uh, for those of you guys at home who are watching and might want to um, know more about Marsha, she has a website, don't you? Marsha Marie, Marsha Maria music.com. Bingo. Um, and you can find most stuff on Instagram. Instagram. There's a little link to my EP there. Which is on SoundCloud? It is on SoundCloud, yeah. Do you, are you um, going to get it distributed you, at some point? I think that was, we discussed that last time, didn't we? Or did uh, distributor say? as in an online? Yeah, Instagram? like getting it out to Spotify and... It's already... Was it? Oh, the new stuff. No, no, the old, e oh, the the old EP. The old stuff. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Is it? Yeah. I'm listening to it on SoundCloud for... for Why would you do that? I don't know. Give me that. Because I'm, I'm going to blame it? your publicity uh, and marketing. It's a tenth of a cent that you earn with every play? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's, I, I worked out... I worked <laughs> oh, out no, so, this is, so this is just on this last note. This is my one gripe. I've had on Spotify 16,000 streams in my Spotify history, and I have earned 66 pounds... <laughs> in total hey it's more than me and i worked yeah but i worked it out but it, it it would be the equivalent of so i if i sold 10 albums for 10 pounds each which would be 60 quid let's say you would have to listen to each one of those albums 300 times to get the same equivalency in the streams oh my right so it was it's, it's just, a whole new conversation it's just yeah. ridiculous and i think the system has to change at some point but anyway so um right. lovely to see to, to see you and chat to you and uh, have a lovely rest of the evening rest of the week and um yeah thanks happy so new much year again. happy new year and uh, for everyone who's watching at home thanks so much for tuning in um i've got a stream on thursday at 7 p.m on my facebook and twitch and youtube channels otherwise i will be back next week with another one of these with a guy called ed Gita. but um nice. anything you want to plug i will be there we... to listen oh fantastic <laughs> uh no just keep an eye on instagram we will be doing an instagram live i am afraid it's during yours <laughs> it is is it is it thursday at i'm seven? so sorry uh, i think so i'm not entirely sure i'll double check but i think it's on thursday two o'clock canadian time maybe three yeah that sounds exactly that sounds i'll see if we can postpone bang. it for no, no, an no, no, hour don't postpone it don't postpone it i can always catch up just make sure we haven't announced it anyway so yeah, it's fine make sure when you do it that you hit save to igtv so i can watch it back afterwards yeah 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 no we figured that out last time yeah um we were i think it took us an hour to realize that there was no way to get the material back. yeah you've got to be really careful <laughs> as soon as you click off it you like you lose it so um do that yeah. and i'll watch it back be great all right. Well, All right. thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. And I'll see you next time. See you right. next time. Cheers, Marsha. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of Jazzology. If you liked what you heard and you'd like this podcast to continue and grow, please feel free to like and share on all the social media channels or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Um, If you'd like to know more about my guest on this podcast, Marsha Maria, you can head to marshamariamusic.com. Or if you'd like to know more about me, your host, Jeremy Johnson, you can head to jeremyjohnson.co.uk. Otherwise, see you on the next podcast.